Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. A baseball game has nine innings. This is the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack, y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the Fact Off. Yeah, it's the Fact Off. Welcome to Fact Off. Um, your host is always Alex, and is with me is Mike. Oh, thanks for introducing me first this week. I, I'm I feel very uh, welcome on this show. Well, it's, you didn't call me an ass earlier, so <laughs> if it's out on the pod, it never happened. <laughs> and the other co-host, Pat. Hey, everybody. Boo, boo, boo. Oh, a lot of people booing Pat in the audience. Oh, yes. By the way, Fact Off is brought to you in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh. How would that even work? Would you guys each invite a, a group of people to your house to watch your part of the podcast? And they would have no clue what's going on on the other parts of the podcast. They just would know you're doing pretty good. Yes. That's true. <laughs> they, they would just know everything I say is gold and everything you guys say is terrible. There'd be just long pauses after you say something. And they just have to sit there and eat popcorn. I like to think we do it in front of a live audience because I sit next to the baby monitor and I hit the talk button so when my son's going to sleep, he can hear me tell tell my fact. <laughs> He's going to be the smartest baby in preschool. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact and you, the listener, can decide the winner. And Mike, you ran the numbers. Who was last week's winner? I saw you were actually the one getting the votes this week. Damn right, I was the winner. I love the acting. And Mike, you uh, you actually have the answer, like, who won, right? Just say it. I want to hear someone else say it. <laughs> I had to research it, look it up a little bit. Um, I actually asked Siri, and uh, that's that's what I found out. Yep. Siri's a big fan, Alex. <laughs> yeah, Siri loves me. But as the winner, I get to give my victory fact. So you guys just sit there and shut up. Uh, June is the only is June is the month with the longest daylight hours of the year in the north northern hemisphere, and conversely, June has the shortest daylight hours of the year in the southern hemisphere. Very wow. interesting. You botched that fact <laughs> so badly. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> Something about it's really sunny right now. In the Northern Hemisphere is the longest day of the year. In the Southern Hemisphere, June has the shortest day of the year. Oh, you could have just said that a lot more succinct. So, I read it. Real quick, we don't know what Alex's victory fact is or his random fact at the top of the show, but they both have to do with one of my fast facts and my real fact of the week this week. So it's pretty uh, interesting. Oh, but, by the way, uh, before we get into Pat's super fact, fact, fat tabular, uh, you can vote for the facts in the show notes or on factoffpodcast.com. Yeah, actually, yeah. just go vote now. Don't even listen to us. L- read the titles. I can't say it yet because we haven't come up with them. But read the titles. Look for the one that says Pat. Vote for it and turn this off. Yeah. I don't like that type. That's a little bit too much. Uh, like, please, please, sir. Don't listen to us. Please don't <laughs> listen to us. Just vote for me. Mike hinted to it earlier. It's time for past, fast, fun, factacular, fun, fact, family time, fact, factor, factular. <laughs> yes, it's the facular, spectacular. Uh, so yeah, so every week I read five random facts from my random fact calendar. And Mike, today you will tell me what the best fact of the week is 
I feel like you always tell me what the worst fact of the week is. Whether or not I want to know what it is or not. Mike hates all your facts. <laughs> Alex, you have worst <laughs> fact of the week. Now, speaking of hemispheres, <gasps> did you know that 90%, I didn't believe this, but then I started to think about it. It makes sense. 90% of the world's population lives above the equator. Is that where China is in yeah, India? Yeah, I looked it up. China and India are both above the equator. Okay. I think just people in general are against toilets that flush upside strangely. Down. Upside down. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Like uh, a lot of the Toilets island, are on the ceiling, right? Island nations moved to the Northern Hemisphere when they found out that the toilets turned the other way. Yes. <laughs> they... All right. That was fast fact number one. Fast fact number two. The state sport of Maryland is lacrosse. Mike? Badman. Ooh, so close. Jousting. Explain. That the, the jousting is the state sport of Maryland. Yes. They have like any follow up? No, they never have follow up. Stop asking if there's ever follow up. This one. Do, do you remember those uh, extreme jousting shows that were on uh, the History Channel? They were trying to compete with MMA and all that stuff and. Uh, and it they kind did of crashed. It didn't really compete very well. People kept getting concussioned and almost killed. Jousting yeah. is the horse one, right? Yeah, when you're on a horse and you go dun dun it and you have this. Yeah, it's your fact. You should know this. <laughs> These are not my facts. These are fast facts. This next fact I want to look up, but I refuse. New York was briefly named New Orange. Says who? Says the fact. <laughs> Is is this when they sold their sponsorship tri- rights to Tropicana? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were trying to do a whole new branding thing. Syracuse University is the orange men. Maybe there was something there. Yeah. And then they came back out with New York Classic. <laughs> I think New York is kind of a little bit too cold to grow oranges, though. Not if you believe. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Just faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust, and you can go oranges anywhere you want. It's true. All right, fact number four. The severed head of a sea slug can grow a whole new body. Hmm. And our final fast fact, factacular. The elephant is the only animal with four knees. I think I knew that. I just, that one made me happy because of that uh, crazy elephant story that came out of the news last week. You see that, Mike? Did I send it to you? No. Uh, (laughs) This lady was killed by an elephant in India while she was fetching water. And supposedly the elephant showed up at the funeral and like tossed the body around and left. Like, it's a sad story, but like, it is wild. Like, the elephant showed up at the funeral and. (laughs) Did they get an invite? <laughs> What's going on here? I guess they like he did, said his piece and left. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, you could have chalked up the original death to uh, an accident, but when the elephant then randomly comes back for more, yeah, yeah I think she it's cost them. Yeah, it's very personal. I, I wonder what this lady did to this poor elephant. Animals are always the victim in these types of stories. Yeah, I tend That's to agree. True. Elephants never forget. They don't. To kill. kill. (laughs) All right, Alex, you were the winner. Oh, did we say best fact, worst fact? You did not. Worst fact. They were all good this week. No worst. Yeah, they were all good. I'm gonna say they're they're decent across the board. I'm not gonna. I'm not frowning about any of them. 
Yeah. Wow. I thought the sea slug would really throw you for a loop. Yeah, that one is kind of like, uh, you know, par for the course, but it's not, it's 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 in the middle. It's not a lame because I always thought it was land slugs, but now <laughs> I know it's sea slug slugs. So. Oh yeah, the old sea slugs, sea slugs by the seashores. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's she going sells first? sea slugs by the seashores. No, uh, whatever. Um, Alex, you won. Who's the first one to go? My fact is short this week, so I will go. Oh, calling a shot. Wow. You guys have played this game, Wordle? Yes. Yeah. Every day. Wordle. I, I am in a family group text where everybody still to this very day sends out their score for that current day. I'm like, I, I, I'm over this. I was over this six months ago. Do you still send it? I don't even know it? if the game's six months old. You not send your score? No. I'm in a group text with <laughs> another member of this podcast, and we send the, our scores to each other every day. Wow. That group has more people that don't play Wordle in it than still submit Wordle scores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know our brother Ian. He doesn't do Wordle, but he's on the group text. Yeah. How, Nick, how many times have he publicly do complained about this uh, Wordle score thing? What's, what's he going to do? Block us? He can't escape our phones. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. What about the original... Not the original word word game, but the granddaddy of all of word puzzles. The New York Times crossword puzzle. <gasps> That's it. I'm gonna tell you the history of the crossword puzzle. Not hey, much. They're to also it. the ca- same company that bought Wordle. Strap exactly. in, everybody. Strap <laughs> in and feel the G's. Top Gun. So, right before World War One, 1913, the editor at the New York World. Newspaper went to Arthur Arthur Wynn. He's like, hey, can you create a new puzzle for our fun section? People are kind of sad. It's in, make something Wait, fun. Th- there's a fun section? <laughs> yeah, it's like where they have jokes and some small puzzles. I need to start subscribing to the newspaper. I'm, I'm liking yeah. fun sometimes. The New York wor- world does not exist anymore. Darn. Um, Too much so fun. So in the Christmas edition in 1913, he created the world the world's first world cross puzzle. <laughs> this is too hard. <laughs> too many worlds. <laughs> too, many. too many words. No, but he created the fir- world's first world cross cross <laughs> puzzle. Puzzle. It's hard to say. So he kind of got the idea from like old games that he made played magic squares like square square like the letters had to make uh, words up and down. He just kind of got the idea from that, but he made the first word cross puzzle in a diamond shaped. And you can still you can get it online and try to play it. The original, Someone, yeah. I bet you they're not even words we would even use nowadays. Yeah, like right? local uh, slang. Yeah, a couple of them were like a little tough. Yeah, there was like the word nerd n a r d. I forgot what that meant. Yeah, we don't use nerd anymore. <laughs> but yeah. he did make the one uh, clue the word hard. The puzzle was hard, but it was fun and lighthearted, and people enjoyed it. But people do say that you kicked me in the nards. I remember people yeah. used to say that. Yeah, Wolfman has nards. <laughs> so, quick fact about when he was born in London, uh, Liverpool, England in 1871, and he moved to America to uh, take up journalism. He worked in Pittsburgh and then moved to New York. But I keep calling it the World Cross Puzzle because that's what he originally named it. Yeah, I was trying and to think. Get- it doesn't sound like that's what it's called. 
Oh, no. so your brain is playing tricks on you because it's actually called the crossword now. That's what it is. I yeah. can't think of it. I was like, why does this yeah. sound weird? At like a couple weeks in, one of the editors transposed the words and made it crossword instead, and it just stuck. Wynn had yeah, no issue with it. Yeah, it's, it sounds better. Yeah, way better. This guy <laughs> yeah. had a great idea, but then botched the name. So like crosswords were taken off. People would love them. Like the news were kind of bleak at the time because it's right during World War One. So the newspaper had banners going straight to the crossword puzzle. You know, do the puzzle. It's fun. So in those times, <laughs> did you complete your crossword puzzle and just shove it into your friend's face, face like shove it under underneath their door every I'm day? Sure they like, did. hey, I completed yeah. this. First one done. You know, yeah, I did it and I suck it. So in 1924, Simon and Schuster released their first crossword puzzle book. It came with a free pencil, Ooh. but they didn't think it would sell, and crossword p- kind of were like all over the place. Like there was like no like set rules or anything of how to make the puzzle. That they didn't even put their name on it. They made thirty six hundred copies and didn't think it would sell. They were ashamed of it. <laughs> yeah, they ended up showing over a hundred thousand copies. Are you sure they people just didn't want that free pencil? <laughs> yeah, uh, people love a free pencil. Um. And then they actually created the group of amateur world, uh, crossword puzzle League of America, and they kind of started setting the rules and all. In ni- in nineteen twenty four was also the crossword puzzle was so big. How big it was, was actually it? Actually, a, po- a popular song called "Crossword Mama, You Puzzle Me." Parentheses, but Papa's gonna figure you out. Ooh, title. <laughs> title of a song. It sounds like kind of a racy song. Crossword, mama, you puzzle me. Papa gonna figure you out. But in 1924, the New York Times said, Crossword puzzles, a primitive sort of mental exercises. They were for it. They're like, this is dumb. We're a newspaper. We're doing newspaper things. Primitive. It was out for like 13 years, and then they're like, <laughs> ah, we'll cancel it. Since when are like word discoveries like a primitive form of, they, of New York Times was all about the articles yeah it must have been people were just somebody must have saw somebody buy this newspaper fill out the crossword and just throw it away and not even read the articles wait are we talking are we talking about the failing new york times yeah i've been failing for years the The only way they're going to survive is with wordle obviously (laughs) yeah so in 1941 the news is kind of bleak people are sad the world's not in a great spot so the new york times editor is like you know what we need to do something. We need to add the puzzle to our newspaper. Wait, they brought it back? No, they added it. They refused up until 1941 to have a crossword puzzle. Wait, I thought the they only... had it. Or no, that was no. the New York World? Yeah, New York Times refused oh, to have this one. this is a separate newspaper. Oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought you were going to say somehow New York Times changed their name. to, or I, I don't know. No. I'm the in Times for the is... ride. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. Yeah, New York Times were there. They're just like, no, the crossword puzzle's dumb. You people are dumb. We're better than you. You know. They've always been a little uppity, I'll say. Yeah, they're like the Mike of newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they hired Margaret Petherbridge Farver. It would not be an Alex uh, fact without a, a weird I name. said that pretty good. You did. That was really good. Thank you. She, Pepperidge Farm Barber, yes. She was the editor... Of the Simon and Schuster crossword books, so she was an expert. So she came in, like, 
we're going to do the crossword puzzle. We're going to do it well. We're going to do it better than everybody. And she's the one that kind of set like the standard that we all know today. So in 1942, New York Times had their first crossword puzzle. They didn't go to daily puzzles until 1950. It kind of sucks that this uppity newspaper is the one that pop like made it popular. Nowadays. Well, it was always popular, but now they're the ones that... They just took well, over. They bought. Yeah, they like they just made it better than everybody. And now, like the New York Times, like they have their daily ones. Like Monday's the easiest, as you get to Saturday, and then Sunday's the big one. Really, Monday's get, the easiest? They, yeah, they supposedly get harder as the week goes on. Isn't the weekday um, hard enough? And yeah. like she, um, she made it that like the crossword puzzle should be family for every every age. She said, and that what was her quote? I forget. It was something about like, because during this time, like the World War Two and all, he's like, people just need some, need to do some critical thinking, so they don't have to think about their problems. And that was the whole idea of them getting into the crossword. Is there was people can take their mind off stuff. And that's what they did. You know what people do nowadays? We have what? the fact off podcast. Yep, and porn. <laughs> um, yeah, while you're watching your porn and listening to the fact off podcast. <laughs> I was actually reading one thing where, like, librarians were upset because of the crossword puzzles. People were coming them and asking, like, for researches and all. And they were taken away from people who actually needed books for research in school and stuff like that. And then they looked around and realized no one needed any books. (laughs) But that's my fact. We'll call it the premiere of the crossword puzzle. Your uh, titles have been kind of lackluster lately. And it needs to be fun. I'm surprised you didn't call it like word cross, crossword. I was thinking the same thing. Cracker Jack's hair. What about a word cross will make it jump, jump? Uh, My fact is called uh, Six Down, Mike and Pat Sucks. (laughs) All right, all right. Accepted. (laughs) Six Down, is that fact (laughs) off? No, that's seven. Who's up? Uh, we'll let Paco next. All right. He seems eager. I was nervous. So uh, is an eager beaver. At the end of this fact, I worked backwards with this fact, and I'm very proud of where I ended up. And I picked this fact specifically for one reason and one reason only, and it's up to you to guess at the end why I picked it. So, in 1935, the first night game in Major League Baseball history was played at Cincinnati's Crossley Field. Yep. Somebody wrote a, uh, one of us said a whole bunch of facts about his radios. Oh, yeah? Uh, did you know that uh, they beat the Phillies 2-1? to one? I did not. Oh, that's a big whooping. Double the points. <laughs> yeah. It was at 8.30 p.m. Now, this was cool. You know, baseball is all about the pomp and circumstance. Uh, guess how they turned the lights on that day? People are like on bicycles, like that powered generators, Flipping and then a those big power the lights on. President Franklin D. Roosevelt threw a ceremonial switch at the White House in Washington, and then all the lights went on in Cincinnati. Wait, how did, how did they do that all the way from Washington? I don't know. Tell I like them. to think they had like a big like uh, wheel, and a guy had to walk backwards from D.C. <laughs> all the way to Cincinnati, laying the co- uh, cord down. And they hit it, and then, like, a cartoon, you could see, like, the spark going. He's like, I'm not there yet. (laughs) He had to run. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of history behind the first uh, night game for baseball, professional baseball. So that was in 1935. 
Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, they were actually a pretty... The reason it was the Reds is that they were a terrible team and they were running low on money. Their average attendance in 1935 was 2,000 people. That first well, night that's game... That's actually the same as now. <laughs> Do we have the same joke as well? Get yep. a race into it. The, uh, the first night game, though, had uh, 20,000 fans. So just to show the novelty of it. However, this was not the first night game in baseball history. Just a year after Thomas Edison... See, I pick all the easy names to say that we've heard a million times. After Thomas I Edison... I believe it's pronounced Edison. Yeah, Thomas Edison. After he made the electric light bulb in 1880, two department store teams pioneered the concept in Hull, Massachusetts. Okay. Here are some quick... I have four quick side facts. Side fact one... Did you know that much like a rain delay, games back in the day could be called due to darkness? Yeah. It was just like, eh, it's too dark out. Everyone go home. Yeah. Now, I don't know why they never came up with a glow-in-the-dark ball. That's my side fact number two. They never came out with a glow-in-the-dark fa- <laughs> glow <the> ball. <laughs> glow-in-the-fact ball. Side fact number two. The first night game in Cincinnati was between two Elks Club teams and was actually held in 1909. So technology okay. was there. Um, side fact number three, in the early 1930s, J.L. Wilkinson, owner of the Kansas City Monarchs, one of the Negro League flagship franchises, created a portable lighting system that could be towed between the team bus and set up almost anywhere. So he was on record saying, this is going to do, I think the quote is, I don't, I didn't write the quote down, but he was essentially saying, this is what talking movie movies did to the movie industry is what lights are going to do to baseball. And then that oh the first professional baseball night game held under permanent lighting system was in 1930 in Des Moines Iowa. Okay. So all this was happening in the minor leagues, the Negro leagues, uh, but majors were not interested. And I have some. I actually wrote down the quotes. These are some fun quotes. You know, um, now that we're like what a hundred years later, and we can like laugh at these people for being so wrong. Here's yeah, some. like we do it with Mike. <laughs> yeah. All, well, we look at, listen back to the fact off, and we realize, man, everything we said was wrong. They proved all these <laughs> facts wrong. So Hall of Famer Clark Griffith, owner of the Washington Senators, said, There is no chance of night baseball ever becoming popular in the bigger cities. People there are educated to see the best there is and will only stand for the best. High-class baseball cannot be played at night. That is true. I always say day game baseball is better baseball. I do prefer day game. Earlier the better, like uh, seven seven a.m. kickoff. Yeah, I wouldn't mind like a nine a.m. game and you're done by like noon. Yeah, here's what the commissioner had to say. Oh, the commissioner Landis, he said this to Larry McPhail, the general manager of the Reds. Young man, not in my lifetime or yours will you ever see a baseball game played at night in the majors. And then he killed him. <laughs> yep, and then he killed himself because that was true. So it's not in his lifetime or his. Uh, but the Reds were hurting so bad that the commissioner decided to let them have a seven seven games in 1935. By the time the U.S. entered World War II, see now we're moving up in war. You talked about World War One. Now I'm talking about World War Two. Eleven of the 16 major league clubs have installed lights. By the end of the war, only three teams were still hold it held out. Do you know what three teams there are? Pretty famous the teams. The Cubs were one, but they were super late. Uh, Yankees. Nope. The Red Sox, Tigers, and Cubs. Okay. The Red Sox installed lights in 1947, which is pretty late considering it was you know 12 years later, and the Tigers in 48. 
I thought the tar- Tigers would just park Ford cars around the field and just blast <laughs> their headlights on. That's the exactly field. what they did. All right, finishing up, Phil Wrigley of the Cubs said that baseball was meant to be played in the sunshine. So, and he was like all talk because in uh, he died of skin cancer. He was done by a lot of talk in the badge. Exactly. Well, he's in Chicago. That's <laughs> uh, on July first, nineteen forty-three. Two all-star teams from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Uh, which was his thing. His whole, like, Wrigley's uh, brainchild was this all-girls baseball league. They played a shortened doubleheader under a temporary lighting system in 1943. So he was fine for them playing under the lights. Because you, could, you couldn't tell they were girls in the, in the darkness. It's true. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Mike. And then finally, the Cubs. So the first major league game was in 1935. The two holdouts before the Cubs, the Red Sox started playing in 47 and the Tigers in 48. And the yeah. Cubs finally had their first night baseball game in what year? I want to say it was like 88 or 92. 1988. Alex knows his nighttime baseball. I'm so yeah, disappointed. Right. I'm so what? disappointed. You're in taking out brain cells for that information. I read that whole entire fact because every <laughs> week... Whenever someone says the year, Alex says, that's the year I was born. Every that time is, he says that it. That is true. And I and found it's the actually fact, the year he was born, right? But, I found the fact that ends in 1988. <laughs> and at no point in all those years that I mentioned, I mentioned a ton of years, did he say the year I was born. So anyway, <laughs> the Cubs, my fact is about the Cubs. They had their first uh, night game, August 8th, 1988. Nope. Well, not, um... uh, and my fact is called Let There Be Light. So disappointed in Alex. That's the whole reason I picked that fact was to hear him to say the year I was born. Good fact, Pat. I didn't know much about nighttime baseball. I think the issue was you said too many dates. Too many years. I tried to set you up to say it at least once. Nah, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. That fact should have been called, like, these are some dates. Yeah, it Here's a bunch of years. Date. Alex was born yeah. during one. Can you guess which? <laughs> 1935. Anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting. I started, I looked up facts about 1988. I came up with the Cubs one. And then I was like, you know what? I'm doing a deep dive on lights and baseballs. Yes. What do you got, Mike? All right, guys. So... I'm going to pretend like I was at this bookstore. I wasn't actually at, at Borders? a bookstore. But I, I was like looking on the I shelves. I can't read. Yeah, I can't read, guys. And as I was pulling off books from the shelves, I found this really old copy of a book. It was like weird leather, kind of crusty looking. Was it made in the flesh and blood of man? Yeah, was it the ne- Necronomicon? Don't read that book. Yeah, don't read the book. You're correct. You're actually on the right track. Though, don't hit guys. the play button that has someone reading the book either, because that also yeah. counts. Yeah. Um, what I come to find out was there are books out there that are bound in human skin. Yeah. For real? Yeah. Yes, correct. Um, it's called Anthropodermic Bibliopegy. Well, that's, my son does have a couple big Clifford the Big Red Dog books that are bound in human skin. <laughs> wow, you should probably submit those 
there's actually a company, or I wouldn't say a company, an organization called the Anthropodermic Books Organization. You can actually go to their website, anthropodermicbooks.org. And they've identified 50 ones that are possibly bound in human skin. I mean, what a nice memento. When someone passes, you can have like a picture book and just use their actual skin. That'd be <laughs> yeah, fun. Exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of a dark practice. Kind um, of. They, it kind of. Okay, it, it's very dark. And uh, I saw some pictures. You couldn't really tell if you didn't know that these, what they were. They're kind of like uh, tanned. They look like tanned leather books a little bit. but Well, leather is skin. Yeah, leathered skin. It's very disconcerting, <laughs> I would say. Um, they've out of the fifty they tested or looked at so far, they found that eighteen are confirmed to be human. Did one have a nipple uh, on it? <laughs> and thirteen of them yeah. were confir- confirmed to not be human, and no, none of them had nipples on it. That would be an easy way to confirm. Isn't that only thirty-one? Well, there's 31. There, there's some that are in process still. So, what are the um, contents of the books? Are they just like? Well, I'll get to that. There's, there, I have some examples of some. Um, Great. But nine. how they test these books to find out, like, if they are human skin or not, is they use a process called peptide mass fingerprinting. Okay. And I guess uh. every single different type of uh, uh, skin for from mammals have different. Um, specific amino acids so they yeah. use a enzymatic way to digest those uh collagen cells and each one digests differently and that's how they that find make, out that makes sense they don't uh, tickle it with a feather and see if it starts giggling <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh this this actually bring like what what show had talking books isn't, isn't there a couple shows that had talking books a million shows of Harry Potter. Has I know it, it brings it to a whole nother level. What what if those what books were bound? Macaulay with skin? Culkin book, Page Master movie, Page Master. Was that in a uh, skin? No, it was talking books. I was actually just talking about the Page Master earlier today, and I was telling my wife how that movie scared the hell out of me. It scared me too. I don't remember this. Maybe movie. not. I don't remember Maybe, a thing from the movie. I, I don't even know Whoopi what happened. A, no, not Whoopi. There was like three books. One was green. One was blue. Like the one was like a uh, cowboy. You know, we watched Page Master. We grew up in the same house. I know. I don't remember this it. movie. I was busy hanging out with girls. No, you weren't. <laughs> you know what else is interesting? I heard that there are some books made out of human skin. Is there any way we could learn about that? No, Mike's fact already moved on to Page Master. No, we'll get back on track. So this is actually a practice that believed to have mainly taken place in the 19th century. So back then, that's when people were like really going to town on bodies. Like when somebody would die, they would just donate those bodies to to the morgues for people to dissect. I thought it would be older. No, 19th century. People loved dissecting bodies back then. It's true. Yeah, They wrote a whole book about it. Didn't Thomas Edison, didn't he dissect a bunch of bodies in his basement? He also created the light bulb, which powers baseball games. Maybe he used the light bulb to light the basement so he could dissect these bodies. And while he was waiting for the bodies to decompose, he was doing a crossword puzzle. But yeah, I'm not not saying Thomas Edison bound any books in skin. I think you are, though. 
No, and the I'm name not. of this hey. fact is Thomas Edison made human books. No. Uh, but the first one that comes to mind, uh, that's kind of like a infamous one, uh, it's at the Harvard University Library. It's called Destinies of the Soul. Okay. And it's said to be covered in the skin of like a female. Uh, she was a psych patient and she died of natural causes. Uh, but how the story goes is a writer named Arsene Houssay passed the book on to his friend, Dr. Ludwig Boland, which he's he wasn't. Uh, related to Ludwig van Beethoven at all, um, but you know, I'm sure name. I'm sure <laughs> you at home could be confused. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but the strange doctor bound that book in the tan skin. Uh, but there's no reason why he did that in particular. Um, with this uh, mental health patient, he was. I don't crazy. know. It's kind of confusing. I think they were both crazy. Crazy in love. I was going to say that. <laughs> but this trend usually happened um, with, like, people who were, like, criminal. So, like, when you committed a crime, like a, uh, like, say you he murdered somebody. He stole this book, so now you will be a book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I miss our ironic punishment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw the book. It takes it puts no whole another word into it. Throw the book at you. Um, we'll throw you at the book. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but uh, in the United Kingdom, there is a sur- uh, surviving example of one of these books. Um, it's currently in the Bristol Record Office. Um, but this book okay. was inlaid in like a dark brown uh, skin. I guess, or I guess maybe they tanned it to a dark brown. It was a nice looking book. Um, but the story behind it is kind of not not very nice. It's kind of. Uh, Turns your stomach a little bit. Um, so uh, this <laughs> was actually the skin of an 18-year-old murderer named John Horwood. Okay. And uh, you might ask, what did he do to deserve such a weird I treatment? Think was, he murdered was people. Was he a murderer? <laughs> yeah, he murdered somebody. Yeah, obviously, that's what I said just a second ago. Um, so he was infa- <laughs> infatuated with a local girl. And what do you do when you're infatuated with local girls? You throw rocks at them uh, just to get their attention. And then you murder them. Yeah, and then he grabbed a big rock. And I'm not going to go into any details because this is not a true crime podcast. And I don't want you at home to get your not rocks off. Yet. Go listen to a real true crime podcast. Start talking like softer. True like, crime cast, right? And then he grabbed a bigger rock. Yeah, you you tell it. Like, Get these ladies who listen to crime podcasts all... Up I think in, a lot of people listen to him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but listen to True Crime Cast. Then you can listen to that one. That's actually a really good one. I hear Nate Metz is the best. Synergy. <laughs> but anyways, he was sentenced to death in 1821, and his body was dissected in a class at the Bristol Royal Infirmary. And that's when they decided to take a patch of his skin and... And basically what they did back then is they would bind the book and skin that contained the evidence from the case. So they would like <laughs> write a book about like this murder and then bind the book with the skin of the the culprit. I guess it makes a little bit of sense if you're a psychopath. What do you do with the... <laughs> is this how Jeepers that... Creepers was written? Yeah. Seems... Well, Alex, you have a question. <laughs> Spit it out, man. 
I'm going to bind you in a book. Is that my crime? I put the crime. How big are these? That's what I want to know. Like, because I'm thinking these books are like. I mean, I could probably make it by eleven. So, <laughs> they, they from the pictures I looked at, they're not like large looking books. Um, the other, the the probably the most popular uh, example of this uh, in pop culture is the movie Burke and Hare. Never saw. Never saw. Hopefully, that's and, not the spoiler at the end of the movie. No, um, Burke and Hare was a movie that came out um, probably like ten years ago, and it had uh, um, the guy that played Gollum in Lord of the Rings. I don't remember his name off the top. Andy Circus. Yeah, it was Andy Circus. He acted in, and he directed it. It was one of his first movies, I believe, he directed. But it was a, a movie about guys who would like kill people and sell their bodies to um, basically scientists to get like money and eventually they were caught and at their trial they were you know sentenced to death and they used their skin to uh bind a book about like their what their crimes were and they actually wrote the book in their blood what so it's a little over the top and obviously this practice doesn't take place anymore or does Um, it or does it but my uh fact is called Bound to happen. Oh, I like it. Best best title of the week. Winner goes to Mike. Well, there you have it. You have Pat's fact, Let There Be Light. You have Mike's fact, Bound to Happen. And you have my fact, The Crossword Puzzle. The Crossword Word Cross. Nope. Um, yeah, go to factoffpodcast.com and vote for who you think is the best. Uh, like and follow us on all the social medias. Pat's on summer vacation, so he'll be posting more. Should be more posting that. more, yeah. Yeah, Pat, you should um, be posting clips. Yeah, yeah post Just, clips. Do I have to put my like. Post, should I say my name? Post nips. I need to come up with a new Twitter handle because my Twitter handle stinks. <laughs> yeah, it's called I stink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Pat's facts. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, well, you do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, give give everybody the login name and password for your account, and then somebody can get in there and change the name to something, uh, you know, fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. But yep, check us out. There's also a link in the show notes to the website to go vote. Most importantly, have a great day.